Thank you for listening to The Pain of the Claim, your source for prescription strength claim relief. And now, your hosts, Jeremy and Donna Lavelle. Welcome to The Pain of the Claim podcast. I am Jeremy Lavelle with Remedy Claims Consulting, joined as always with the beautiful Donna Lavelle, my wife, always doing everything she can to make sure that I stay in line because God knows I truly need the help. Say hi, Donna. Hi. We have an incredible lineup for you today. So, Donna, who do we have with us today? We have Miss Sarah Hello. Parker. How are you? Doing all right. Excuse my, my late night uh, FM DJ <laughs> greeting there. <laughs> <laughs> the sultry voice. Hello, everyone. Thank you for Welcome joining us. Welcome to three hours of- <laughs> Welcome to three hours of smooth jazz. Well, we've got you Easy covered from top to bottom. Inside Easy claims listening. I do want. I do want to have a parody song station oh for, for claims. <laughs> yeah, where we rewrite some of the world's greatest rap songs, but change it to claims oh language. There we go. <laughs> That's all we need. So, so um, I, I wanted to ask you, so I see you everywhere. You're on a lot of podcasts. I, I um, follow you on LinkedIn. And I, I think I first saw you uh, during Vince's course. I was lurking in the background while Jeremy was mm-hmm. taking the course. And I, I noticed your legal mind. And I was like, that's who I want to talk to. <laughs> so I just wanted to get some, a little bit of background on um, where you came from, what you, you know, why you're doing what you're doing, and um, what made you decide that claims was the way to go? Yeah, I guess um, to make a, a longer story short, um, I kind of came into public insurance adjusting by accident, like a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Not something I had ever considered or even knew about. Like, that's yeah. not, you know, like, you know, when people take those assessments in high school, right? Where they're like, what do you want to be when mm-hmm. you grow up? Insurance adjuster's not on there. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember playing with Legos in the floor going, I want to be an insurance adjuster when yeah. I grow up. This is what I want to be. Matterport playset right? didn't exist. So, yes. Right? So, um. <laughs> yeah. The easy scope exactly. bedroom. <laughs> We could go on and on. So, yeah, exactly, exactly. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, just like everyone, I fell into it by accident. Um, And just like everyone, it was either through a friend that had a loss or you knew people in the industry. And for me, it was both. Um, My friend had just, you know, an an awful house fire. And she had a, a terrible time with her insurance company as well as with her public adjuster, unfortunately. And so when she was telling me about it, of course, I was like, Oh, language on this podcast. I won't swear too much, but do you need me? To- okay. Oh, you can. <laughs> oh, you're fine. <laughs> yeah. If you if you've heard our other show, then you yeah you certainly My can. My first cuss. thought is, what the <laughs> hell is a public adjuster, right? And mm-hmm. it just uh, so you know, I did I did what anyone would do, straight to Google, and uh, I was like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, this looks interesting, and I didn't really think about it for a bit. Um, then I was looking for a little bit later. I was looking for a career change. And, um, yeah, I was like, I wonder about that public insurance adjuster thing. It looks really weird. Let's, <laughs> let's check it out. <laughs> Did you start off as in a, in a legal no, field or no. had you been heading toward no, that? I have no idea why I enjoy or am good at this, to be honest. Um, yeah, no, <laughs> so, <laughs> but yes, yeah, so I looked it up, um, took a deeper dive and I was like, Wow, I, I seriously get to look at not only um, you know policies, which are essentially contracts, but um, mm-hmm. I get to be outside. I love construction. I'm I have a you know I'm from a rural area, so I love construction. Um, I love the craftsmanship, especially of some homes and and businesses and, mm-hmm. and things like that. And there's meteorology involved and science. I was like, why wouldn't I want to try this out? All the cool stuff. What were you doing before when you decided, I mean, because often public adjusting or even anything in the insurance Mm -hmm. career is often a second career for people. It's not, it's not, you know, nobody goes to, like you said before, nobody goes to college (laughs) planning to have an insurance, you know, you know, career path in front. What were you doing before that? Gosh, I've had, I've had a really varied career. Um, I, I wouldn't even say career. Um, 
how do I explain this? I've always, well, I've always been in business, so I've never yeah. been pigeonholed sure. to one thing. Not that, not that I, I want to discourage people from, you know, if you find something that you love and then you want to give your life to that, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but uh, I grew up in my family's businesses. They're very entrepreneurial. So, I mean, I've been in sales, fine arts, coding, um, any discipline you could possibly imagine, especially through my mother's PR firm, I've been involved in. So I've just always done what I'm interested in and then make money from it. That's that's about it. That's cool. <laughs> so you kind of slumdog millionaired your way yeah. in. That's kind of what Jeremy says. He just did a little bit of this and that and it all just came yeah, together. Yeah. It really did. But I think I think probably the core value inside of me mm-hmm. the most, um, and I just want to see if you kind of bear witness with this, Sarah, but it's my desire to be a communicator. No matter what I did, whether it was sales or whether it was you know extreme sports, it was always me wanting to explain how things got done. Now, a lot of times people miss misdiagnose that as a teaching gift, so mm-hmm. to speak, but it's really more a desire, a compulsion, if you will, to to communicate. Is that something that you find to be a thread through what mm-hmm. you've done? Or if not, what is that thread that kind of runs through that sort of tied all of this together for you? I don't you? think that much. I don't. <laughs> I am a very, <laughs> very um, experiential and existential person. So uh, I get vibes. I, I, I get a gut feeling. And then I go. Um, I do have, Mm -hmm. just like everyone, core principles, I suppose, that drive me. But again, those are very experiential versus like I sat down one day and was like, these are my core values. No, that's not me. Nothing wrong with that. (laughs) But I'm not of that type of mind. So it drew me. I went into it. If it ever changes, I will leave. I just don't overthink it. I don't know. What a I great answer. <laughs> like, I, like I feel that. like less of a person. No. <laughs> I do coaching if you want. We can we can talk. <laughs> I may need to talk I to someone after this. Very, very simple. Um yeah. yeah. Hang on, I'm finishing my appointment on Zodoc right now. <laughs> Just a second. So okay, yeah. I'm good. I mean I, that's probably not the answer you're looking thing. for, but uh, that's me. I'm just pretty simple. I'm expecting this phil- philosophical, mm-hmm. you know, finally, this is what I want to well, do. I mean, do, we can take it philosophical, it's- but um, <laughs> if you're really philosophical, you should never pigeonhole yourself to a profession as being your identity if you really want to go there. Wow. <laughs> I don't want to go there because, yes, that's what yeah. I have done. I have done that. You can express your purpose through a, a job, but your job should and never be And it's hard to separate identity. the two. Yeah, I, and I and I gotta fully agree with that. While I've got to text Doctor Lebowitz and let him know we have a whole new set of circumstances to unpack, we can quit talking about mom oh, for gosh. a while. Um, <laughs> no, I. It, but Sarah, you bring up a really good. You bring up a really good point, kind of at from an experiential nature, and I think that when you get into things like public adjusting. I, I think that requires a significant amount of empathy to allow the world in to really experience it as opposed to approaching it from a very, com- like I do, very compartmentalized, planned, instructed, and strategic. Not that you're not strategic, mm-hmm. just that that's kind of how I look at it. Um, you know, that's, the, gosh, I mean, I, brave is really kind of what comes to mind when you kind of jump off, like when you're jumping off like that, right? Yeah. So, I mean, did, was there it, was there that element of bravery that you felt when you kind of soldiered into this field? No, I mean, just everything in my life I've ever done is something that no one I know has done, something that's scary, mm-hmm. and so that's all that I know. <laughs> all I yeah. know is risk. All I know is going for it. Uh, so I right. don't know any better. It's <laughs> it's not that I'm brave, and I don't know any better. <laughs> <laughs> Ignorance is bliss. (laughs) It just, I want to do something, I go do it. And, you know, I don't have a game plan when I go to do things. I learn as I go. I consult with others. I learn from others. I find mentors. And then I do it. Mm -hmm. But I would say, Jeremy, you have an advantage, excuse me, um, for approaching claims, not in an emotional state. You will last longer emotionally, mentally, physically to do this career. Now, you can have empathy. You can have sympathy. You can have understanding. 
Um, but a lot of us run into something called compassion fatigue. It's that burnout mm-hmm. that you see about one to three years in for most people. And I wrote an article about it. I'll send it to you. It's got like 800 views yeah. right now. Um, cool. And, you know, Chip Merlin reposted it. And I detail mm-hmm. how everyone in the property insurance claim industry experiences what law enforcement, first responders, social workers experience. And it's something called compassion fatigue. Yeah. It's very, it's a, it's an art, I guess. It's an art form to, to observe and not absorb. Mm-hmm. And I have, I absorb. I no, absorb. we all do. We all do. That's, um, no, we all do. And so that's why you manage compassion fatigue. You're not immune to it. So, mm-hmm. um, I, I, yeah. I'm still just unpacking the entire phrase, compassion fatigue. <laughs> like, I mean, have you ever had something just hurt your brain? Uh, like <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, like it, I didn't know there was a word for it. I like, didn't know that there Dr. was a, a phrase. Because oh, it, like, I, he has an entire, I'll, I'll send it to you. Well, I've, and, and even for our listeners, I mean, just kind of help us out a mm-hmm. little bit. I mean, because yeah, that's what it is. It's compassion fatigue. And I had never, I, I when I find new words, trust me, mm-hmm. I use them. You know yeah, what I'm saying? This will be in his, this is going to come out a lot. You know what I mean? So I might as well educate myself mm-hmm. on it. So can you kind of give us, I mean, I love that you were talking about the, the first responders, you know, I, I would even think that that would begin to even stretch out to teachers. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Those those ascent, anybody that's sort of in an essential role that is that is sequestered and 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 put in the position to deal with the public and their basic most primal needs. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Like we deal with their shelter, their education. Obviously, I would go as far to say that education is an absolute need. You know, those sorts of and safety, those kinds of yeah, things, I, that compassion that's required I to deal I with them. I guess I would be careful so. to romanticize it with a specific um, profession or service that's being provided to people. I would say okay. any human being who's in a position that they are encountering other human beings within service whether that's paid or free and the people that they're serving mm-hmm. are in crisis can be affected by this yeah absolutely just got really deep again sorry I, it's <laughs> yeah i mean I, well i'm I, well look the only time i find you dropped I, a couple of nuggets so we're kind of we're still <laughs> well i mean when you're uh, when you're impacted at an emotional level with something mm-hmm. like that that basically gives you um, some sort of tangible understanding of what you feel. You know what I mean? Because it's not their fault you're tired. Mm, it's the other way around, yeah. though. So um, compassion fatigue is, is it's, it's insidious. It's very interesting. Um, so Dr. Figley, I quote him all the time because he's, the, um, he's, he's really the person that, that coined this term. Um, you know, it... Really, a lot of his studies during Hurricane Katrina really, really helped launch all of this. But he's, he's been researching this since the 80s. Um, the opening line, and I have it memorized, eventually, we lose a certain spark of optimism, humor, and hope. We tire. We aren't sick, but we aren't ourselves. And what it is, is um, when you have the emotions of others every day coming at you that are negative it impacts you so it's not so much the other way around Mm -hmm. of you being tired and not being able to be of service it's the fact that you care to be of service that makes you vulnerable and that's why you'll run into you'll run into adjusters um public staff and ia you know you'll run into adjusters that have something called negativity bias well the first they hop Mm -hmm. on the phone and they are they are ready for a fight, right? Immediately, yes, because yeah. people are screaming at them all day. You know, mm-hmm. you, they have to. They think they have to be ready for right. it. Right. <laughs> so you have negativity bias in there, um, and it's just like the people that are just like ready for war, where they're just like, um, you know, um, that is a symptom of it. Um, the ABA actually mm-hmm. recognizes this in attorneys. It's a huge, um, huge issue of why in the legal field there's so much um, prevalent substance abuse and depression and suicide and mm-hmm. family issues, they experience this as well. It's just the adjusting profession hasn't quite caught up. 
um, in recognizing yeah. it. So it, uh, it, it takes natural empathy and you're just bombarded all the time. Loss, 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 broken things, feelings, managing people. It's, it's low grade negativity and vicarious trauma, mm-hmm. they call it, vicarious emotions that um, yeah. eventually flip on you and drain your spirit. And it turns into compassion fatigue, which can result in post-traumatic stress disorder from there. Uh, burnout, mm-hmm. you know, is the end result. So, but you can manage it. That's the good that news. Is, that is, uh, <laughs> yeah, that is good news. <laughs> I'm so glad. Silver lining. Now that you've diagnosed me with all these things, I'm glad there's help so, out there. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, because there's a term for it, it means I'm not the only one that feels oh, yeah. this way. I think that's what that's I'm important. Tra- I think that's what I'm trying to unpack here. Yes. Is that I I've felt guilty in some places where I have a negativity mm-hmm. bias or I have a compassion fatigue that maybe I'm not suited to do this mm-hmm. because I feel these things. And I and and that is when you because then that begins to attack your self worth or your self value. That's why I said in, don't in make your profession your identity. So it all loops back mm-hmm. together. Right. It'll hurt you more. There mm-hmm. we go. Yeah. So I and I and I, I don't want I don't want to trivialize kind of what Sarah's bringing here, Donna. I really don't because these are some pretty big things that I yeah. want. I want those of us who live in a very isolated world, especially people like independent mm. adjusters, Sarah, where they live in a very isolated yeah. world because you know they're away from home, they're in a hotel room, they don't have a consistent sort of work environment mm-hmm. that they can count on and draw from. It's just them. There's no and I was an IA for a long time. And you know, when you're sitting there at two o'clock in the morning with your face buried in your hands because you don't know what mm-hmm. to do next, or maybe you don't know how to estimate it this way, and then you have the pressure of these people needing you to get your estimate turned in so those people can get paid. Absolutely. Right. And so and and it just becomes and you really begin to question your ability. But when you know that this is what I'm wrestling with and you put a I, I don't want to say a label on it, but you help identify why this hurts. Mm-hmm. Yes. Why is this a bruise? Because then we can begin to treat it once we identify it, diagnose it, then it can be treated. Yeah. And I think that that is. The and it's a natural, thing. natural, normal human response. Uh, not isolated mm-hmm. to any failure of character. Absolutely. Yeah. That is a That's great. good to hear. Yeah. It's not that due to really failure to of character yeah. and it's not due to weakness of spirit. It's very much just because you're human. Do you do you um speak on this on this stuff? Do you have a tour or anything where you're actually where you're, you know teaching people to. these things? Um I did a lot of mentorship and speaking um from about 16 to 24. And then um mm-hmm. really when I got into public adjusting I was just all in for a year so um yes I do I would like to definitely get more back into that um but yeah definitely available for anyone that's interested um yeah that's good it's good for people to know that that that's that that's out there you are that you're out there and it's always um, in levity of spirit and in in a spirit of hope as well Mm -hmm. because I think um yeah you know when people talk about these things it's it's typically they'll highlight oh you might have compassion fatigue Good luck. Mm-hmm. Wait, 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 you don't, wait a minute, later. You, you don't have any further explanation for me? Uh, you don't, you don't have any yeah. resources? Uh, uh, what? Throw me a lifeline here, like, you know, so it's, it's whenever mm-hmm. I do any courses, I do have courses that I do as well in webinars, um, mm-hmm. you know, whenever I do those, it's a full picture, it's always a holistic uh, lesson, if you will, the solution is included. So, it sounds like uh, what you're up to now is kind of is kind of like that. I, when I first saw Kuva Media, I was like, "Is oh, this a training yeah. platform? Is it a social media?" Yeah. So it it sounds like it's a lot of things. Can you can you tell us um, yes. first of all what what it is and what and how you're involved in? Yeah, in absolutely. That? Um, so I have a media company or media agency called Kuva Media, and it is essentially mm. just a way for me to do a ton of things I've always wanted to do in a structured way. So um, we kind of have three, three main parts to Kuva Media. Uh, we have Kuva Academy, which is e-courses. They are short form or micro courses. Many of them are interactive. I don't have a great attention span. 
So that's why I made them that way. They're impactful and mm-hmm. actionable and made for for you to use immediately to um, improve your life and or make more money. I also do mm-hmm. webinars, but people have to upvote those. So you can send in requests for specific courses or webinars, and then if enough people upvote mm-hmm. it, then I will put on a paid webinar for it. Um, one of them right now that's in high demand is AI Basics. I create AI. Mm-hmm. So this course teaches you. I saw that that what exactly. you posted. <laughs> so it it teaches you I was everything. Like, when I'm up, when I can't sleep, I'm going to talk to that. The because AI. <laughs> a lot of what people want to know, they think is inaccessible. But it's mm-hmm. just like learning math or physics. You just need to learn the building blocks first, and then build your way up. One plus one, one times one, and so on. So learning AI or anything you want to learn in the world is just like that. Um, so yeah, so Kuva Academy is a way for me to share my knowledge and, and coach, um, in a way that allows me to, because I just don't have a lot of time (laughs) to do, you know, and it's not, it's not geared toward any specific profession. It's just anyone, you know, insurance training. It's, it's for anyone and everyone. Mm -hmm. Um, then we have Kuva shop, which is not quite released yet. Will be released soon. That is instant delivery on demand, um, things that SMBs can use. So when you're a startup, Mm -hmm all those little things that just take away your time and lower the morale of your team. Like we don't have email templates for our entire sales workflow for clients. You can buy that immediately from us. Mm -hmm. So stuff like that, right? Um, So you're a resource for several different, um, different and that's for, that's for everyone. And then Kuva media is your premium bespoke, all hands in uh, solution for uh, design data and development. We call it websites and apps, mm-hmm. deep branding development. Um, you know, like a logo. People are like, I got a logo on Fiverr. Nothing wrong with that. But do, do they know that they should give you an entire logo suite for different applications, mm-hmm. colors, sizes, formats? Um, and what was the strategy behind that? So a lot of people approach business knowing their business, but not their clients. So we connect the two. Mm-hmm. And those are very much bespoke services. So we've got Kuva Media. It's premium, bespoke, all-in marketing, everything you could need. Design. Then you have Kuva Shop, instant delivery. That's for everybody. And then Kuva Academy, learn to earn. Nice. I think it's funny that you use the phrase that people know their business, but not their mm-hmm. clients. Especially us, right? Public adjusters. Mm-hmm. Our clients don't wow. want to hear about policy. They don't give a shit. They do not care. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. I think they do. Right. You really don't. Let me tell you about this policy exclusion. Eyes glaze over. You don't know your clients. We don't know our clients. <laughs> so... <laughs> It's so funny. That's true. Like, it's like, I, so I do a lot of networking, a lot of small business networking because I, I find the community aspect of it quite intriguing. It's not so much about the business development opportunity there for me, but it's the community that I find so Mm -hmm. intriguing. You know what I mean? It's it's how it's where business people go to church almost kind and of thing. You have the same players, but it, well, like a church. There's so many parallels. I grew yeah. up in church, Sarah. So just a small little piece of my history. My parents were pastors, and so I saw the landscape of church through a very unique set of goggles. And I want you to know that it is goggles by really and truly. It is it is a skewed perspective. When you grow up in what I called the first family of the church, you know, whatever given church you're in. And so as I began to involve myself more in in business networking, it, it really began to intrigue me the parallels. But the point is, is one of the members of this is a copywriter mm-hmm. and he's sitting in a room full of people who probably know their business, but not their client. Mm. Okay. And one of the things that he pointed out and, uh, was that you can by and large, go read website after website after website. And this is where I think Kuva media ties into my Mm -hmm. story here is that you can go read website that will tell you all about what they can do, who they've helped, what their services are, you know, 
you know the the solutions that are out there and they just sort of land blast and shotgun their services and results up to this given mm-hmm. point but it loses a lot of tangibility because they never really directly address their client and that's by and large because they don't know who they are <laughs> you know yeah. what i mean they want to sell to everybody such and such is a billion dollar mm. industry or a multi-billion dollar industry Niche you know what i'm saying and if they look at <laughs> You know, it, it's yeah, a real thing. It's and who it, it, your client is before. Yeah, yeah. You really have to know. Yeah, and when we get bombarded on LinkedIn for you know coaching and stuff, I'm like, do you even know? What oh, we I come, do? I come <laughs> back <laughs> to them all the time with uh, kind, but very constructive feedback, especially when they use AI. Yeah. I'm like, bro, you need to recalibrate your settings. <laughs> to exclude me because I'm not in your target market. So you're going to blow your uh, API limits there, bud. Just giving you a tip. Mm-hmm. And they're like, what the fuck is this person? <laughs> <laughs> like, who is this person? You're going to blow your credits on people that are not in your target market, which is me. You know, yeah. I don't own an insurance <laughs> company, but uh, your automated tool thinks that I do. <laughs> Set your yeah. keywords better. You bro. seem to really be good at yeah, I love I, that. I, I love you. Seem to I be, like your I like your work. Okay, well, what work is that? You seem to be really good with your clients, and we help insurance agents all over the country. You understand? I'm not an agent. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Give me a definition of what I do, and I'll set up a meeting with you. But until then, and then they scramble. No, and then we they're can't like, Wait, meet. We can make our product work for you. No, no, you can't. <laughs> no, you can't. No, people that try to make project <laughs> management tools for us can't even do it right. So, calm down. Yeah. What? Yeah, we haven't even. That is funny that you say that because that is so really yeah. true. The closest we got closest was a is, was, is was law a, firm software. Yeah, legal wire. Like, yeah, it was a legal wireframe. That's yeah, the closest we ma- thing. I, I, we we make private ones for companies because they are so fed oh, up with what's available. That's what I had to do. Mm-hmm. Is make my own system. So. Yeah. Yeah. And you can't put around, you can't put a square, is it square mm-hmm. peg around hole? You can't. That's correct. You can't. Or is it the other that. way around? Depends on the size yeah. of the peg in the hole, but by and large, you <laughs> there are some have a decent uh, project management tools out there for, for our industry. Um, there's a couple that I love for IAs and like uh, umpires, appraisers. Um, they're simple, they're beautiful, they're inexpensive. They just work wonderfully. But, um, you know, and uh, the other issue is that every PA firm is set up differently. If mm-hmm. they even know what they need, <laughs> that's the other issue. So. Yeah, and usually they they think CRM. They're not thinking well, workflow. CRM. Well, they, you need what they really work. want is a project management tool with CRM yes. capabilities and task management capabilities. But correct. Yeah. And they they think that all of those things are interchangeable. Yeah, and the people selling them don't care to help them. Yeah. Yeah, or they think the same yeah. thing. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, realizing realizing that there is so much, I mean, and, and every little piece of software that you buy, most of them have some kind of CRM element mm-hmm. to it, you know. It's, whether you want, need it or not. Whether you need it or not. And there is so much overlap in these, in these yeah. apps. You know what I'm saying? All of these different, either subscription-based, especially in these subscription-based solutions that are out there, whether it's for claims management or whether it's for just general project mm-hmm. management. You know, mm-hmm. I, I started in project management back in the uh, mid-2000s with a program called Basecamp. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. do you remember yeah, Basecamp? I, I actually, uh, I, yeah, it's no, not I think my it is. Favorite, and, but I do work with people on it for different projects, but not for Kuva Media. But I remember when it came out, I found it so elegant. Oh, yeah. Do you know yeah. what I'm saying? And all of these things. And, and it's just like, and sometimes they are so robust, it is hard to, you know, use everything that it can offer you, especially, you know, especially in the SMB mm-hmm. world, right? You know, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be one of those things where you don't really have, the bandwidth to use this thing. And so it's more of an enterprise solution than it is a more focused solution. Or you're getting it to, to, to solve a problem that you have right now, but you don't have time to learn yeah, all the other it's things. It's like that getting you handed a it. Swiss army knife and you're like, I don't know what half the stuff yeah. here does. I really don't have time to use it because mm-hmm. I just need to be using the screwdriver and knife. All the and time. it could be helping you a yeah. lot. <laughs> it could be helping you a lot. And you have, you don't have time to, to figure yeah, it out. I mean, or find we help out. contractors do automations and acculinks because they're like, I'm like, you're not using your automations. 
They're like, no, <laughs> how? <Wait>, what? <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, it's so. I mean, but but look, those same people, and that's me included. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, know that you know. I don't even know how to use all of Microsoft mm-hmm. Word. Okay, like I can get in there, I can type a document, that kind of thing, and then copy and paste whatever it is that I'm doing into a template or that. If you follow what I'm saying, like I could not tell you how to create a drop down box in Excel. I could tell you that I know how to Google it. I've done it before. I'm I'm an expert at Googling. You know what I mean? And that's real. And so in the world of Google, when you can go find that stuff and that information to perform this task this one time for this one project or this one, you know, whatever, you know, you do that, but you never really learn. And and you don't need to. That's the other thing is I think um, especially because our industry really pushes the narrative of being like this super brain that knows everything. Right. But Mm -hmm. effective business management is different. (laughs) Very different. And that's what sets apart the most successful public adjusting firms from the solo practitioners um, that don't choose to be solo practitioners. But the ones that that don't want to be solo practitioners but can't hit the next level, you don't need to be the super brain that knows everything. You need to be a... You can't know everything because you can't do everything. You need to be a business person that finds where, when, and how you can delegate what needs to be done effectively and safely and affordably. Um, And so that's how we set up our solutions for people as well, is a lot of it is automated. We give you a map of how we set it up for you if we're doing like a process optimization um, package for a company, as an example. They don't understand Mm -hmm. it. However, they know that it works. If someone presses this button or enters this thing, then this thing happens. If it breaks, Kuva Media or any random Joe on the internet can take the plan and the map that we also handed them with their new system, figure out where it's broken and fix it. So they don't have to know everything, but they have to have a partner that can help them create the map, create the plan, implement it, and then that allows them to have the freedom to fix and change appropriately. You don't have to know everything. Well, I, I, can I, can I uh, I'm like, I'm not asking you to let the cat out of the bag, guys. If you want business coaching, please reach out to Sarah Parker because I'm not, we're not, we're not going to teach it right here, right now. Okay. So, so for those of you who were kind of hoping that we would dig into that, go ahead and exhale. You can run, run to the restroom, whatever it is that you got to do, because that's not what we're going to get into. But Sarah, I do want to ask, is this something that's more proprietary um, or is, are you using a model that you're patterning this after kind of like EOS? Because I'm a huge fan mm-hmm. of traction, right? I like, I like the, the, the concept and the way that it unpacks some of these things and sort of it's, for lack of a better term, and I don't really mean this, one size fits yeah. all. You know, it's a great way to create an enterprise operating system. In fact, that's what it stands mm-hmm. for. So um, um, is it no, like that bespoke. or is it something different? Yeah, everything is bespoke. What's so that? we follow general principles okay. based on my experience in business from literally five years old. Um, so there's a general process and there is an outline, but every every single thing with Kuva Media is bespoke. So um, no one business is the same, and that's where our value is. And, um, yeah, okay, that's where our value is because, um, you know, there's a lot of – there is value in set systems. Like I know people in our industry, um, you know, there's a few people that will do the very specific personality assessments for finding talent and things like that. There can be great value in working within a very structured program. Uh, But that's not me and that's not how I operate. So everything is bespoke to the client that we're working with. Um, The other thing is, Not only do businesses usually just know their business, but not their clients, but they typically approach problems by jumping into a solution first and then seeing if it'll fix their problem. 90% Mm -hmm. of where you spend your money, who you work with, (laughs) 90% of where you spend your money, who you work with, and the amount of time when you're looking at any kind of process optimization or anything needs to be within the planning phase. Uh, planning and uh, research phase. The implementation should be the cheapest part. 
should be the cheapest mm-hmm. and faster part. However, where were you three yeah, years ago? But most people call me and they're like, hey, I, I have, you know, I know someone that they have sunk over $500,000 into a custom CRM. And I'm like, your developer didn't do a deep discovery plan first. Oh, no, 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 no. They said they could mm-hmm. do it. That's, that's most people that are coming to me say that. I'm like, most of your money, most of your time should always go in the research and planning. You have it mapped mm-hmm. out before you ever spend a penny on actually implementing it. Then you know it works before you start building it. There's certain questions that, that you need to be asking yourself and being able to answer before find you find the problems first, then mm-hmm. research the solutions to find the problems. Not the other way around. <laughs> I know it's crazy. It's a simple thought. Because people are like, oh, you need this app. You need this. You need this. You need this. You need this research. You need this education. No. Figure out what your problems are that you need to solve. Then you find yeah. the solution. Save a lot of time and money. The funny, mm-hmm. the funny thing is, is that people would call that sort of taking a reverse engineering yeah, approach to like it. Yeah, like that. Okay? Yeah. So, but the reason it's <laughs> here's the funny part. Get ready. The reason it's considered reverse engineering is because the conventional wisdom of approach has been so freaking wrong. It's not even yeah. funny. It's now the right way is considered the backward way. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Or the, the 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 whole paradigm and approach to it. So I love what you're saying. At some level, guys, I'm sitting here drinking out of a fire hydrant. That's why I'm shaking my head. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's why you know Donna referred to me shaking my head there, and I just kind of sit up and I giggle and I laugh a little bit because it's like, you know, yeah, where were you three years ago? Sarah, where were you? (laughs) I mean, because the one thing, look, I got into networking and there was this, 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 this coaching opportunity that they had. Right. And they said, go to this mastery class. I'm like, okay, great. That sounds good. It's $5,000. And I'm like, okay, five grand. It's not that I don't have five grand, but you're going to have to really kind of sell me on what, because there's a lot of things I could spend five grand on that changed my world. You know what I mean? As far as, you know, whether it's a piece of equipment or it's another software package or whatever the mm-hmm. case may be, there's a lot of places I could spend five grand and, and knock a dent in some yeah. things, right? And so I was like, you're really going to have to sell me on. And it turned out to be more business development. Now, I it was a business development coaching thing. And so I chose not to take that. What I was screaming mm-hmm. for three years ago was infrastructure. Mm-hmm. I needed help with infrastructure because I didn't get in business I didn't start being a public adjuster because I wanted to figure out the ins and outs of running a successful PA firm. Mm -hmm. I got in it because I had a a passion to work claims and to help people. And so most, most chefs don't open a restaurant because they want to figure out the best way to order onions. (laughs) No. Right. You know what I'm saying? It's not to find all of the different resources on, you know, on spaghetti sauce and all that. I mean, that's not why they get into this. They get into it because they have generally it's motivated out of some kind of Mm -hmm. passion, especially within our culture over the past 20 years or so with the explosion of the Internet and things like that, where everybody has this entrepreneurial effort in front of them, whether it's for a product or a service. And so that is what I was screaming about because so many of us get into these businesses over a passion project and we don't think about infrastructure when we step into it. So the thing is, is like if you're the best at what you do, let's assume you have no problems with the production of you performing the work product for which you think you have a business for. Let's assume for a second, you're the best at that. What is all of that? What are the problems that causes? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? A market for it. That's the other thing. Who are you selling yeah, this to? That's... Are you just making this because you think it's cool and then you'll just figure it out? And you wonder why you don't have sales? Yeah. <laughs> like, I saw oh. I saw a meme this week that I saw a meme this week that said we didn't get into this because we because it was easy. We got into this because we thought it would be easy. Yeah. And and I, I encourage people to follow their passions because um like I said, I'm a very very existential experiential person, so I typically don't do anything or I'm driven to do much unless I enjoy it, right? Or whatever mm-hmm. um so i do encourage people like definitely try to make some type of if you want to a profession out of what you enjoy but um mm-hmm. guide it with business principles so you, you don't have to choose either or that's a huge trick too that people fall into is that i got to choose one or the other no mm-hmm. no no you have to guide it i've got a question for you sarah 
And you can put it on a scale from one to ten. You can unpack it a much much further than that. Um, you being the eloquent person you are, I certainly hope you choose to <laughs> unpack it and give us a little bit. <laughs> How important do you think it is that you reach out to either a coach or someone to help you develop this, whether you're selling homemade earrings or you're trying to start your own oil and gas company? I don't really care which mm-hmm. one it is. How important do you think it is to have these sort, uh, this sort of coaching and, and using these, these, these opportunities here that you're providing with Kuva? I would say education is of paramount importance. Um, But there are a few things that all humans are prone to which will interrupt, destroy, or stagnate um, the possibility of your dreams becoming something. Uh, One of those is is having gurus. Um, There are people that I respect and love as mentors in this industry. And um, very much respect as teachers, as mentors. But every human has to be very careful not to put a person on a pedestal where you don't see them as human then. Um, Mm -hmm. Whenever you have a guru that can stop you, um, vary the sources that you're learning from. Um, If anyone suggests anything to you, Critical thinking is a very, very, very important thing to develop. And what we know about critical thinking, most of us, is not much. But true critical thinking principles, there's even an institute of critical thinking. That's how serious Mm. it is. It's a study. It's a a science almost. Um, It's really, really important. If anyone ever offers you advice... In a loving spirit of analysis and healthy skepticism, why are they suggesting this to me? What is their motive? And that motive, you don't have to necessarily break it down as much as like, is this motive sincere or is it nefarious? It's not necessarily that. Mm -hmm. It's just, is the motive appropriate for me or is this person unknowingly, accidentally, suggesting this out of being self-serving? Mm-hmm. So, when someone suggests something to you, look at who they are. How they treat what the people, relationship how is. their relationships are with others, what their results mm-hmm. are in life, what their trajectory is. Do I want that for myself? If you want some parts of it, you want all of what they have, then listen. If they don't, thank them very much for their kindness of taking the effort to help you and quietly set it aside for another time in case it might be useful. Because mm-hmm. not everyone, not everyone is, a, a, you know, uh, good or bad when they're trying to give you advice, right? It's more, yeah. is this actually useful for me? You know, it's like, um, man, there's a comedian that does a joke. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. There's a comedian that does a joke um, where he talks about he was driving. I think it was in um, Comedians in Cars. I think it was Jerry. (laughs) And he's I believe it was Jerry. He says, uh, I saw two homeless men talking and I realized one was giving the other advice. It's like if that does not illustrate to be had yeah, that does not illustrate like there are a few trainings in this industry that are 2k 5k whatever that I would recommend but I'm careful to explain when I recommend it why um you know a, mm-hmm. a couple of them they're not really appropriate for beginners so I'm like you're not going to get anything out mm-hmm. of this now probably not a great idea to take it now when you do yeah this is what I found value in based on my business and my adjusting style. If that matches you, mm-hmm. then maybe this might be helpful to you. When people give you advice Just like that. Just don't assume that, that, that what, what works for me is going to yes. work for you. When people give you advice that's more informational for you to then make your own decision, those are the best people to connect with. Mm-hmm. Not, you have to take this class. Yeah, yeah? why? Why? Yeah. I have to? Yeah? You going to pay my bill? Yeah. 
<laughs> Why are you so interested in me taking this class? Do you have any reasons? Yeah. You know, healthy skepticism. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Show me your so face right now. Class. You're like, wow, this is, <laughs> this is so much. <laughs> Look, I, I realize I'm the only face that can be seen just in I'm this sorry, conversation. Unfortunately, this like- <laughs> it, it's no, it's okay. I, I'm look. I'm. I, I want. I want the audience to know as they're as they can't see my face that so much of what Sarah just said is. It's like you need to write that down for the adjusters that are listening. I don't care if it's independent adjusters, public adjusters. Write mm-hmm. that down to realize that there are some courses. That the majority of the courses out there, what you need to chew through is the political BS that exists, that you're not a valid adjuster if you don't take this course. So you need to, that's a bone you need uh, to spit out. I call it character bullying. You know, like Mm -hmm. if you're not a large loss adjuster that flies across the country, you ain't shit. Fuck you and your residential claims handling ass. You know, no, 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 (laughs) no. There are... There are very successful um, public adjusters that do both large loss or residential in one area. You know, it's just whenever someone that's another critical thinking, um, something to consider is when someone presents you with an absolute question that immediately, (laughs) even me, Mm -hmm. if I say something, question it, you know, you have to do this. This This should be this way. Everything (laughs) should be this way. Yeah. Why? Yeah. And there's, and there's no gray areas at all. Well, and, and the other thing is, is that, you know, the the unfortunate reality pretty much within any industry, especially one that is loaded with a bunch of alphas. And hang with me mm-hmm. here, Sarah. Ones that are that that are loaded not with just alphas, but incredibly opinionated ones. You can have a strong personality that somebody that commands the room, but doesn't come off opinionated, mm-hmm. right? I'm an opinionated person. I mean, if you want to know what I think about something, shut up long enough, and you'll eventually hear me say what I think about yeah. whatever, you know. <laughs> Um, and, and, and that doesn't make, just because you're opinionated doesn't mean you're a bad person. It just means that that's kind of how you communicate with the world based on your own worldview. And in this industry, you have to kind of be that way. You kind of have to be the Well, yeah, if you're going to keep up, Mm -hmm. I guess, but there are those of us... That's the question. Well, I mean, you you're going to keep up with. Well, right. Keep up. And that's what I'm saying is what I was about to say is there are those of us that have exalted above yeah. it. You know, and by and when I say those of us, I'm not including me in one that has exalted mm-hmm. above it because clearly I'm down in the trenches of it. You know, it's those who have chosen to not really um, chosen not to invest their time. I would say, in probably the direction of the industry, and they just sort of run their own little post-it stamp over there in their part of the world and what they do, and they affect the lives that they affect, and they go on with their life. You know what I mean? And there's a lot of honor in oh, that yeah. effort. Absolutely. Then there's those of us that, that choose to take our profession and use it as a platform. Mm-hmm. And whether we feel like, in general, we want to be an agent of change, mm-hmm or we want to be an agent of information, or we want to be an agent of stability and or structure. Or an agent of chaos. Okay? <laughs> or an agent of chaos. And I was trying to steer away from that one. The, generally, the agents of chaos. Depends on what mood I'm in. You know, it, Not us. You know, it's the guys that are running around that generally criticize what everybody else who's trying to do something good yeah. is. You know, I, I, I want to be, I want to be, you know, I, I don't want to, downplay sort of the vocal portion of the industry that oh, we all no, work in, all whether kinds. it's on the Facebook forums or them. even... We need the opinionated alphas. Yeah, and they we have, just... They have a, a very valid part in all of this, absolutely. <clears throat> but it's... Wh- when, it, when it comes down to... When it comes down to determining how you need to be educated, because I'm going to tell you by and large... You do need to be educated. You need to be able to flesh out these pain points that you have and what you're running up against. You know, I think most public adjusters, when they get into it, or contractors can be guilty of this too. But in the claims process, everybody's looking for the silver bullet that makes the carrier say yes. You know what I'm saying? What is the one thing I can give them that they can't argue with? They don't realize that that is a wholly inappropriate way to approach handling claims. Bingo. Thank you. And, and, Thank you. And just practically. So I, I just, I mean, 
as it pertains to that, it's like, Sarah's right. Why do I need to take this course? Well, it's really, I would want to ask you, well, what is it that you're wanting to learn? Yeah, that's, you know, yes. what is it? That goes back to what the do thing you again, want to learn? find the problem first, then find the solution. Yeah. yeah. It's like, what can't you, well, I wanted to learn infrastructure. That's what I wanted to learn. I, I felt like I had a pretty good handle mm-hmm. on claims. And so you go to all of these claims handling courses, and, and I am going to save us from mentioning any specific one, and you get sort of the same sort of information put between two different pieces of yeah. bread so to speak. So do you want your sandwich on wheat or do you want your sandwich on white? We've got a nice hoagie roll over here for you. And so kind of however it is you choose to consume that information is completely up to you. That's all good information and it should be implemented in what you do. But sometimes there are some skills that we need within it that doesn't have anything to do with handling claims. It has everything to do with handling people, whether it's an internal situation or how we project ourselves when we're out in the, you know, in the, in the workplace or in the, in, in the highways and the byways, as we go about what we do, yeah. as we influence people, whether it's in their networking group or in their living room, adjusting a loss, you know, it just kind of depends on how we want. To, and I think that that, if you're, I think you need to learn that and get that solid in who you are more than you need to figure out the silver bullet that's going to close You're talking a about soft skills. That's mm-hmm. exactly what mm-hmm. I'm talking about. Thank you, yep, Sarah. Soft skills are a huge one. Um, you know, I would say unsolicited recommendations here. Um, critical thinking is a huge soft skill. Uh, again, always within the spirit, a loving uh, spirit of critical thinking for the purpose of uncovering facts, never for, um, I guess, have your mindset. This, this is the biggest mindset that I think um, is, has been most effective for me. Take it or leave it if you like it. I don't, you know, maybe it works for you, maybe it doesn't. I always think about what I'm for rather than what I'm against. It really, really mm-hmm. unleashes creative, like the creativity out of your mind a lot more, helps you find solutions a lot yeah. more helps you be solution oriented in your attitude helps you view others as um, collaborators rather than roadblocks or adversaries so when you're anti then you're fighting everyone right you've got to win that's not a conducive mindset to fact finding <laughs> so right. um, I, I would say that um, so critical thinking skills um, Everyone's really big on negotiation skills, of course. That's something you want to learn. Um, But I would say critical thinking skills first and foremost. I agree. And then uh, I would also really, really encourage people to get very good at their emotional intelligence. Not in a kumbaya, let's sip tea and hold hands on a retreat kind of thing, which can be useful for some people. Um, But a very, very practical as a human being, these are my patterns. This is what I can react to. This is what I need to unlearn. This is what I need to relearn. Um, this is how I want to change my perspective. This is, you know, emotional intelligence for you as a person is very important to be in tune with. Otherwise, you'll be driven by every little emotional reaction and not even know it. It's called automatism mm-hmm. when people are on autopilot throughout a day. Um, yeah. People explain it like, you know, they don't even know what happened that day. They're just on an autopilot. Uh, yeah, sometimes I, like, I used to not even know how I got yes, to work. Yes, that's like... automatism. Very, very common, <laughs> especially with people that have a routine within their lives. Mm-hmm. So um, it's very important to be in tune with your emotional intelligence and be aware of yourself and have critical thinking skills. That will set you up for success for anything. Anything. Before we move on to our our last segment, are there any books that you're currently reading that you would recommend? Um, no, because I think you need to find what works for you. Um, what mm. I read is probably not others' cup of tea. Uh, it may yeah. be for some, but um, you know I have a massive, massive bookcase, and um, mm-hmm. I figured you did. Yeah, I love books, but um, again, um, just as much as you should not, in my opinion this is my opinion, should not have gurus within mm. people. I don't know that you should have gurus in literature either. You know, so mm. there's definitely some go-to books that I have. 
uh, that I love. And they've changed the way that I think and how I approach things. They've helped me unlearn. I think unlearning is, is as important as, uh, as learning things. Maybe perhaps more. Oh, <laughs> so yeah. unlearning. Um, Exceptionally more difficult. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. So I would say um, really, again, developing emotional intelligence and awareness and critical thinking to be able to find solutions that work for you is more important than any one recommendation that I can give you. Um, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> that's a good answer. Yeah. Yeah. You need I'm, to learn I'm how to steer your that. own ship. <laughs> that's, that's really what yeah. it is. I want, I really want people to be independent and learn how to steer their ship because for every decision in your entire life, if you are not actively making it, whether it's the type of coffee you buy or your business, everything in between, someone else is making that decision for you. Mm -hmm. It's crazy that you say that because the author that has impacted me the most, you know, most people in, in, in conventional circles would have never heard of. Um, his books were very brief, but completely changed the way I think about a lot yeah. of things. You know, this was 20, this is 25 years ago. You know what I mean? So it wasn't recently, but I still go back to some of those, some of those precepts and central thoughts and ideas on how I govern, you know, what comes next for me in a lot yeah, of areas. And check out stuff you don't just, you don't agree with too. Um, Absolutely. You know, uh, remember we talked about in the beginning, uh, don't let your profession be your identity. The mm -hmm. less labels and identity you can assign to yourself that is not immune. It's not within your spirit. Um, anything external, your job, everything you can possibly think of. Um, the less you can cling to that, um, the less reactive you will be because, um, you never know when you read something that you disagree with, there might be one tiny little thing that might change your life. Um, and you can take what you like and leave the other 99%, right? Um, sure. And that's very important. But a lot of people can't do that because they're so wrapped up in their identity of I am this, I am this, I am this, I am this. When you say you are something, you don't know that in your mind, if you say you are a blank, that comes with a lot of behavioral and philosophical expectations of how you should be as a person rather than who you are at this moment. So it's a lot easier to... And I think you should. It's a lot easier to look and to learn things that you disagree with. You know, just look at stuff you disagree with um, and learn something from it if you are not wrapped up in being defensive against it. Mm -hmm. Right. So speaking of critical thinking, I don't know if this will be if critical thinking would be used in this context. We're going to have some fun here. <laughs> yeah, I'd like to play some uh, Would You Rather. You can request questions. it as a course if you want. I'll send you the link. <laughs> I did a course for this for uh, MAPIA, the Mid-Atlantic Association of Public Insurance Adjusters, like fallacies used in insurance mm -hmm. claims, and their their jaws were on the floor. Like, what is this? <laughs> so, Yeah. So my first question to you, um, so I have three, um, and I think this, this is probably the, the one that I want to know, that I want to know the most. Would you rather have a pause button for your life or a rewind button Neither. for your life? Yeah. Neither? Why not? I mean, why? Typically when know. people <laughs> want to rewind or pause, it's to run from something and so I think you should think about if you would desire either of them, why? There's some, there's some emotional or mental rearrangement that may need to happen if there is mm -hmm. something so uncomfortable in your current reality that wants you to pause or rewind. That's an interesting yeah. answer. I... I well, my kid, my son's about to graduate from high school, and as much as I want him to grow and be something, I, I wouldn't mind him hanging out a little mm -hmm. bit longer. You know what I'm saying? Because because I think it's a, it's a matter of observing the work that you've done, or the or or you know you've 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 grown this entire human being. 
I just like to enjoy him a little bit, it. you know. Yeah. And so you want to pause it, but that's not and good for him. Selfish. And I think Sarah's right. It, it's yeah. it's and it's selfish. It's a it's yeah. beautiful. I, I, it's like, I, I don't mean to demean it. It's beautiful, but it's selfishness creates all of our um, issues in our lives. Hundred percent. Not all. Mm-hmm. Some are external, yeah. um, but um, it it sucks. Yeah. How many decisions? <laughs> How many decisions do we make for the sole effort to mitigate oh, pain? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. You know? yeah. And, um, yeah. And then the other thing, too, is you just have to deal with the fact that being human, there is some truths to existing that are uncomfortable and that hurt. So, again, I, I don't think that I want the pause or the rewind button. It's not appropriate for whatever purpose I'm supposed to be here for. Mm-hmm. Nice. My next question uh, let's see how you can spin this one. <laughs> it's not even spin. Oh. I'm just, I just, I'm a little, I haven't even gone to college. I, I just, I don't think I've been trained. You know, my brain has been outside of the, outside of the purview of most, uh, society for so long that I really have an existential loving view of things. And yeah, it's just a bit different. <laughs> so would you rather, um, uh, have to yell everything you say or have to whisper everything you say? It would be really cool if I could have total silence. <laughs> Just answer the question, Sarah. <laughs> um, I, I think she- I don't know. It's, what's, what's the context behind that? For what purpose? Um, there really isn't any. Just like in your own, in your own mm-hmm. world, what, which one would you, would you, if you had to choose, which one would you rather have to do? If I had to... And I hate these questions, yeah. just so you know. If I had <laughs> to. I'd probably make myself a mute. Oh! Just out of protest for making me have to choose. Just so you don't have to yeah. answer the question. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think personally I would want to whisper because then people would lean in and, and really and really listen to what I'm saying. I don't want everyone to lean in. That's the other thing. You know, uh, yelling and whispering both repel and attract certain types of people. And I'd like to be able to choose that myself. And I think as a mute, I'd really have the best control over that. (laughs) You'd at least have their attention. I'm not for everyone and not everyone is for me. So I'd like, I think as a mute, I'd have more choices about who is drawn in or repelled by the yelling or the mute or the whispering. (laughs) This is so cool. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like I've been to therapy. <laughs> well, I mean, I love it's, you, Donna. I think it's... <laughs> you're a whole person, and you're beautiful. Just so you know. Oh, thank <laughs> you too, Jeremy. <laughs> I appreciate that. Oh, thank you. It's we had Leland Koontz on several months ago, Sarah and Don and. Donna just wanted him to read stories uh, to her. Stories I just wanted him to read me bedtime stories. He's got I, that voice. I you have that like voice he's too. He's had like 10,000 lives too. I'm just like, you did what? Yes. On, the, on an airplane? I know, right? <laughs> well, it's just, he just, it, he's amazing. And he tells it. Like it's, it, like it's just every day. Like, you know, this just happens oh, yeah, all the like time. Like I told him I know German well, and he's like, oh yeah, I, I grew up there for a bit. I know German. It's like, What? How old are you? You've what got to be 300 to be do? able to have fit the life experience that, that you're telling us about. Like, Yeah. I think so he cool. changed his name from Gandalf to he's Leland. so cool, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that brings us back to community. We have a no, wonderful community. It would be cool community. to have, the, have you guys both up on yeah. at the same time. <laughs> well, I, I don't know if Donna could take it. I, think I don't think so. I'd I be think... like, just, just read to me. Can you just read this? <laughs> I'll send you guys stuff to read. I think she'd end up in the corner in the fetal position, oh, sucking her thumb oh, at the end of the day. The lullaby <laughs> play. <laughs> but um, uh, anyway, I, you know, Sarah, thank you so much for your time and and um, your insight, thank you man. For it's like I, I was not expecting this. this I am really going cool. to lean on her to get this edited so I can go back and listen. <laughs> yes, to thank you. For Do you know what I'm me. saying? Like, it. It's... <laughs> it is. It is so good. And and um, so if you're looking for public adjusting services in the Midwest, you can always reach out to Miss Sarah Parker. Um, is it Parker? Yeah, it's Parker Public Adjusting. Is it Parker Public Adjusting Service Minnesota? Um, only service Minnesota. Um, and then if you're looking for some direction in your business, please check in out. In your life. In your life. Kuva Media, yeah, we'll guys. Literally yes. handle There's everything. solutions and out there. We service there. worldwide. So. 
So not just nope. Minnesota. <laughs> so, um, Sarah, thank you so thank much you so for much. your time. Um, we'll have her web addresses down in um, the comments or the description of everything. And uh, I, I honestly believe that Sarah is an incredible voice in this industry. I'm glad her voice is in this industry as it stretches and reaches into others and affects change there. I am so eternally grateful to have her in this Thank one <laughs> and her, 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 her brilliant mind as it pertains to even the nuance of claims handling. I, you know, I love that. The so. mind of Sarah Parker. I think, I think someone else had that as that their, the when you were on someone oh, else's yeah. show, it was the mind of Sarah Parker. <laughs> but thanks for what you do for the place where I work, for my workplace. You know what I'm saying? Thanks for keeping things cleaned up, keeping it real. You know what I'm saying? Talking them down, letting them know, you know, and I, you know, I, I appreciate your candor. I appreciate how how direct you are about sort of some things and and you know i i have that same approach now i tend to be a bit more bombastic than most the most and i um uh, you know i'm just glad that we have voices like yours that that bring a a thought of reason to why things are well, so thank you. again thank you so much thank sarah thank you guys it was a pleasure that'll do it for us on this episode of the rigmarole and uh, we don't know what the show is about. well you know or the pain of the claim we're trying presents. to figure it out Who that'll does? do it for I don't, this, I don't. that'll do it for this episode of the pain of the claim presents sarah thank you so much once again for coming on if you have any questions or comments please leave them below i want to encourage you to click like and subscribe and by all means if you know of somebody that this podcast could help please share it and uh, let them know what you found. Guys, we will see you on the next one. Bye.